Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and today we're joined by Allison Fissell. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and the co-founder of Advocate. And welcome to the show, Allison. Hi, thank you. Yeah, we're super happy to have you here. You and I have had a couple of different conversations and we're excited with what you're doing. Why don't you give us a bit of information about who you are and what you're putting out into the world? Yeah, so as Kurt mentioned, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, I am also the co-founder of Advocate, which is a modern marketing platform for therapists. And so we are trying to do away with directory listings in a sense and provide an alternative to helping therapists and prospective clients find each other. That's really cool. How did you decide that you needed to create Advocate? What were the driving factors for that? You know, the impetus was really twofold. On one hand, as a therapist, I saw how competitive it can be, especially in, you know, I'm from the LA area and it's a very saturated market. So as a therapist, it can be very competitive, so to speak, to Mm -hmm. get yourself out there and to, to market yourself. I wanted to create a platform that made it easier for therapists to stand out and showcase their skills and and Mm -hmm. what makes them a a great therapist. On the other hand, I heard from so many people, and I'm sure as therapists, you guys can relate to this. So many people, which is wonderful, are willing more so now than ever to reach out for mental health services. And, you know, these directory listings that are often offered or these endless Google searches don't make it that convenient for people to narrow down and find the right therapist who is tailored to their needs. And so what Advocate does is it helps these prospective clients and therapists find each other easier through our matching algorithm that we've created. For a lot of therapists who are familiar with some of these more traditional online directories, I know you've got your kind of proprietary things as far as how your algorithm works, but what makes Advocate different? Yeah, so we did a ton of research before we launched Advocate as to what works well from these other sites. You know, they use filters as opposed to prompted questions or Ours is more of an interactive questionnaire, but we asked a ton of therapists and also a lot of everyday people, you know, what kind of questions would help you narrow down the right fit for you as far as a mental health professional. And so uh, what I can say is that we really ask therapists to be honest and accurate about who they are and, and who they can treat. Some of these other models allow therapists to say that they're an expert in every single condition <laughs> under the sun. And it's just not, as we, the three of us know very well, there are yeah. some things we can treat very well and there are some things that we just don't have experience in. So we ask our therapists to be very accurate and forthcoming about who they are so we can make the best matches 
for these prospective clients. So in doing that, how do you sell that to folks? Because I know I've seen on other online directories that people will put down every single, they'll click every box (laughs) and they'll have so many, so many different things that they say they're good at. Is there a way that you get them on board to only put a few things? And also, is there a way to ensure that they're only saying they're good at things that they're actually good at or have additional experience or training in? Yeah, it's a great question. I think therapists are innately on board because they don't, I think they're choosing to do that because everyone else is sort of choosing to do that. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to stay competitive. Like I said, these other models don't really have a limit. And so some therapists think, okay, you know, I want to also click every single thing and then hope that I get more calls. Or I I know in LA alone, there's about a hundred to 125 pages of just listings of therapists. And so sometimes therapists want to be on those first couple pages, which is understandable. So they click things that might not be 100% accurate, we limit them. So therapists can choose only a certain number of specialties. So that's one way. And they're usually on board because they know that everyone else is only choosing a couple specialties also. So it makes it fair. It makes it more accurate. And we haven't had pushback really from anyone. Interesting. I think it's something where there's kind of tactics to try to get in the search because the more things you check off, the more times you're going to come up on in a search. But when you're describing the 125 pages of searches, which in the small towns are like, what? There's like maybe 125 in the whole state or something. But for those of us out in LA and all three of us are, you know, have had practices out here, it's a huge pool. And I know that oftentimes I get calls from clients that line up, but I, you know, if I can't take them, I have to help them sort through because there's just so many therapists to look for. And so it sounds like with, you know, the way that you're setting up, it's really having therapists get very specific and have the searches be way more curated. And so if I'm remembering correctly, advocate, there's three people come up. So somebody searches and they get three matches. Is that right? That's correct. So a prospective client will be prompted with our interactive questionnaire. They will answer them according to their needs. They will click meet my matches and then our algorithm will match them with the three best suited therapists per their needs. So it takes away the competition of trying to, you know, say that you're someone that you're not as a therapist. Mm -hmm. You will get shown anytime that you are an accurate match. Clients don't want to search through 125 pages to find the right therapist. And therapists don't want to be on page four out of 125 even. They want to be on page one or two. So this way, there's no endless searching. It's really convenient. And it seems to be working well for people. You had a clinical practice. And this became your side business. And now this is your business and the clinical practice is kind of a a part of your history. What was that transition like going from real clinical work to now working on the business end of things and serving therapists and continuing to serve clients in this way? I worked exclusively with teenagers and adolescents. And now I work not in a clinical capacity, but in a business capacity with adult therapists. So (laughs) it is a very different population of people. One thing I will say that I wish they taught all of us therapists in our training is not only how to be good clinicians and and work with people and, and develop relationships, but we really missed that education on how to start a business and how to sustain a business. And I think that's a huge piece of the the puzzle that's missing. And I don't know if the two of you can relate having, you know, how to have a business and a clinical practice, but it's something that I, I really wish they could insert into our, our training so that people would feel more comfortable with the business side of things. 
Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. You decided to do this on the side, this advocate thing. It became more present. So you switched to doing that primarily. What was it for you that made you want to do it? Because I know that you saw a need, but we all see needs. We all see things that are, are not quite working that we potentially could fill. But you you made the decision to, to move forward with this project. Why was that? I really wanted to help my fellow colleagues and myself have a platform that was more efficient and more effective. Mm-hmm. But what really pulled at my heartstrings was the many people in my life, friends and family and neighbors who approached me and said, I'm ready to seek help. I know that I need to talk to someone. I don't know how to do this. And then later on, I'd follow up and they would say, I gave up because I just couldn't figure out how. Mm. And so that drove me to say, you know what? I'm going to put a pause on my clinical work and I'm going to dedicate myself to figuring out a way that we can help people find the right mental health professional to really help them because we're all in this business to help people. And if we hear that so many people are trying and just can't figure it out, so they abandon that process, that really bothered me. And and I said, you know what, I have to have to help change this in some way. So we've got the prospective client who goes on advocate, gets the three matches and that kind of stuff. How do you envision that process working? Because obviously that's one of the standards, right? That we give three referrals. And so this sticks with that. And and there's all kinds of things about, you know, giving good referrals. And we actually had an episode on that to talk about that in more detail. But what do you see? How do you see this process working? How does it improve clinical outcomes for these folks to get these three curated referrals from your platform? It's a great question. And, and you guys know as therapists that, that rule of three, so to speak. But what I would say is even as therapists, when you refer, you probably refer if not the same three people, some combination of the same handful of people, whether they're your friends who are therapists or they're just good therapists. I put good in quotes. You just can't see my quotes Uh, (laughs) that you've you've heard of. The difference is when we give the three, they're really tailored to that individual. So Mm -hmm. I might have a, a friend who's a great therapist. I might refer one of you guys just because I know you're a good therapist but are you really the right therapist for that prospective mm-hmm. client? Do you work on weekends like they need to? Do you work with children under the age of 10? You know, that sort of thing. So what I found is that even when I would refer to colleagues, I was referring people that I knew were good, but maybe not always the right fit. And so mm-hmm. what we do with Advocate is we take out that ambiguity. We really provide those tailored matches and it's all based on what the client is inputting to be their needs. So when they, when they call the likelihood that they'll match with one of those and and start work with one of those is pretty high. 
the feedback I've received from therapists is that they're really happy with the accuracy of the phone calls and the messages that they receive. I've been a client seeking therapy and I've been obviously a a therapist seeking clients. And it's kind of, it's really inefficient on both ends. If you spend 20 minutes talking to a therapist to find out they don't take your insurance or they actually don't work mornings or, you know, they don't treat eating disorder, you know, whatever it might be. And we haven't had that problem because we eliminate that inaccuracy by asking the client to indicate what they're looking for and providing these accurate matches. Mm One of the things that I really like about Advocate and poking around their website and looking at it from what a potential client's experience might be is in asking about some of the personality factors that they expect from a therapist of if they're looking for somebody who's really directive or they want somebody who's going to stay a lot more quiet that outside of even what a therapist is going to claim as what their clinical specialties might be or even the demographics of the clients that they might serve that it really does embrace some of the personality factors of what the therapist would be as well. Thank you. Yeah, that's a question that we added a couple months ago, and that was based off feedback from prospective clients. So we're always trying to iterate and make sure that we're hearing the feedback and that we're redoing the algorithm as needed. And so the question you're referring to is, is the one where it asks, it prompts someone to be able to choose if if they know, and, and there's an option if they, they aren't sure, of course, but they're allowed to choose, you know, do you want a therapist who is more of a coach? Do you want someone more prescriptive? Do you want more of an empathic listener? Or are you not sure? And so that also helps narrow down and and make those choices more accurate. Of course, on the therapist side, we don't limit therapists on that question. They are allowed to choose a couple different buckets that they feel represent them as a therapist, and then they can be matched accordingly. Yeah, that's interesting because I think there's there's a lot of self-awareness that therapists need to have. And I think that's something that, that Kurt and I especially recently have been talking about a lot because I think therapists have to accurately portray themselves and your platform kind of helps people to do that. But I think it it's something where the more accurately and specifically we portray ourselves as therapists, the better the calls are going to be that we get and the better the relationship's going to develop because clients come in and they have more of an accurate expectation. Maybe they've already done a little bit of developing a relationship with us outside of the room, whether it's on our social media or our videos or our websites. Like, you know, once clients decide they're coming in, like, you know, or when they're doing the research on us, you know, the more that we can show who we are, I think that can be really helpful. And it sounds like what you've done is given at least a place to start because therapists need to Sure, <laughs> that they're they're answering those questions accurately and not just clicking off. I'm a coach. I'm an empathic listener. I'm more prescriptive. I'm like not checking all the boxes because that can't, that really can't be true. But but I'm I, all the things. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm all the things. All the clients can work with me, and I think we we know that that's not the case. We need to to get really specific. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's it's something that's definitely in alignment with what we've been talking about, about the specificity of the professional persona. And it sounds like you kind of make that a, a forced choice. I think, again, speaking earlier in the conversation, it, it does it is a disservice to therapists sometimes when they are given too many options to choose from. So these other models that don't have limits on the questions or maybe even encourage you to pick more so you cast a wider net. Initially, it's a short-term win because you might get more calls, but long-term, it is a disservice both to you as a therapist in your your advertising and also especially to the prospective client who may come to see you for something that really isn't your specialty. I think a lot of us have had those complaints from therapists that... 
I get all these awful calls. They don't line up. And it's like, well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you may have a hand in that dude. Like you need to make sure that you're, you're watching what you're putting out there. Cause if people are calling saying like, Hey, you, I heard you work with kids. It's like, okay, well go to all of your online profiles, go to your, whatever you've checked off. If you're on insurance panels, look at what you've written on your website. You may be doing that to yourself. I can't, I guess I can't guarantee this as we grow and scale, which is the goal, but I, I hope I hope that we can stay very hands-on. What I will say is that we've been around for a year and I've been fortunate enough to speak to almost every single therapist individually who is on our platform and get to know them and and work with them one-on-one. And what I can say is they speak to being sort of guilty of doing that on some other platforms, (laughs) but but excited to, to kind of stop that behavior and approach advocate in a more accurate way. And we do make sure that if you say you are paneled with Blue Cross that you are, we do make sure that how you represent yourself is accurate. I'll leave it at that. But we, we, do, <laughs> we, do, uh, we do our due diligence uh, to make sure, nothing invasive, but we do want to make sure that we're providing prospective clients with an accurate portrayal of each therapist. So there's some, some kind of safeguards in place. Yeah. And again, it's nothing invasive, but we check your licensure. We check to make sure you are supervised if you are an associate and kind of surface level due diligence in addition to the insurance panels and, and the, the scope at which you practice. Do you miss being a therapist? <laughs> I do. Uh, I do feel like I am still a therapist to these, um, <laughs> to my, my adult therapist clientele. Um, I did work exclusively with adolescents and children, so I do miss that. In fact, in my training, all of my hours toward licensure was with adolescents and, and kids. So this is a very interesting pivot. Not only am I no longer clinical, but I'm working exclusively with adults and all adults who are therapists. So yeah, I I definitely do miss being a therapist. I know it's in my future in the long term. I do want to return to it at some point. I just had to, you know, this opportunity, I guess, presented itself in a way that I, I saw a need and nobody else was doing it. You know, we, we all kind of accepted that this what I consider to be a, an outdated directory service model, but I kept hearing the inefficiencies that came with it. And I just said to myself, I really want to try something new and, and see how it goes. But I, I do see myself working in a clinical capacity in my future. I think as I'm wrapping up teaching a careers and advocacy and in mental health class, uh, teaching at a university here, one of the concerns that I hear from people as they're launching into different careers is, is the limitations just going to be clinical work? And I think that there's plenty of opportunities for being an entrepreneur within this field that sometimes the greater impacts that we might have aren't necessarily in one-to-one cases of client work that we're doing or family work that we might doing if you work from family systems perspectives, but to really be able to grow and feel fulfilled in helping broader systems of people even be able to access those services. And so I really do commend people in your position who have taken that entrepreneurial step of being able to serve larger and larger groups of people and still find the work really fulfilling. Thank you. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. I think, I think all of us who take this path of, uh, you know, graduate school in the clinical field, we're sort of shuffled into that private practice setting or something that's very similar to that. And so many of us 
have these ideas to, like you said, make a broader impact, but still be helping people. And so whenever I talk to fellow clinicians, they often have other ideas. And and so I always encourage fellow therapists to try those out. And there's so much room for impact in the mental health field now more than ever. And Mm -hmm. I agree with you that there's so many ways that we can leverage our skills as therapists to make a difference in a, in a broader way. And digging into that a little bit more, leveraging your clinical skills, obviously there's kind of the interacting with other therapists and, and potentially talking them off the ledge when they're feeling stressed out about their marketing <laughs> or whatever. But, but my sense is that you've really taken a clinical lens to this referral process. Can you talk more about kind of how you find that your clinical skills are playing into this? Because it could be seen as purely a marketing platform. It could be seen as purely a directory platform with a twist. I mean, there's a lot of ways, but to me, it seems like you're using some kind of clinical skills to do this. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So we had a different, couple different ways we wanted to approach Advocate. And what we decided on was to start in one city, which was Los Angeles, and to really focus on the LA market and really dig in deep with the LA therapists. Mm-hmm. And so I made it kind of a mission, like I said, to speak individually with almost every therapist who's on our platform. And I get it. I've been there. I've had to market for myself. I think I use the clinical skills of just empathy and, and active listening to <laughs> identify you know, where, where they are. It, I, it can be challenging to figure out where to spend your marketing dollars. It can be risky to feel like you're paying for a service that you aren't sure the ROI. Just the mere fact that I can relate on that level, therapists tend to exhale and sort of just say, okay, she gets it and she's doing this. And, and I, I hope they trust that I've been there and I get it and that I can empathize with their position because most other services aren't, aren't making personal phone calls and, and kind of handholding the therapist along the way. But I think it's important. I think it can be scary to start your first practice. And I like to be there and be really hands-on with the therapist that we work with. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. So how did you meet Ariel? <laughs> yeah, it's a, a question we get asked. It's not a very interesting story, which is why I giggled. I, I wish I could <laughs> more interesting. Um, she is from Canada originally, but she for many years lived on the East Coast. And so I have a bunch of friends who after college moved to the New York area, which is where she was living. And we just met through friends and she moved to Southern California a couple years ago and we reconnected. And over many different coffee dates and dinners where I would complain about sort of the inefficiencies of marketing as a therapist. And she would talk about how it's so hard to be transient and to be moving around to different cities and be looking for a therapist. It can be very challenging. We both just sort of said, we're in a place right now where we can make a difference and take this risk. And so we said, we're going to do this. And and we actually did it. So that was the, what I tell a lot of people is that there's so many great ideas, but the actual execution is the biggest jump you have to take. And so I'm really lucky that she comes with her own perspective of being a former principal and working with parents who are looking for mental health services for themselves and their children. Um, she herself has looked for a, a, a clinician and, and had some challenges there, which she brings her perspective on that. And then I come from the, the therapist lens. And so together we, we've been a a really great team. And I'm really fortunate that she was willing to take this 
this leap with me. Yeah, I think what you say is exactly true. Having a great idea is just a wish or a hope until you actually implement it, right? And right. And so how did you get to that place where you just, I mean, you, you, you at some point decided, yeah, let's do this thing, but but what were your steps to say, let's see if this idea will fly. Let's actually start implementing it. Like there's, this is a huge endeavor and I'm sure it's, there's a lot of financial resources that are required to, to start, you know, an app or a platform like this. There's, there's a lot on the line. There's, there's a huge risk factor. How did you kind of test if this idea would work and how did you decide to like jump in and, and what were your steps on kind of proving the the idea? Yeah, it's a great question. I, and this is why I say I feel so fortunate that Arielle and I did this together. It's one of those things that like, I kind of wanted to do it and, and she wanted to do it, but then she would take a step out and I would take a step out and then she would take a step in. And so the fact that we together said, we're going to do this together as a partnership, that really helped that we were both mm-hmm. committed to the idea. Like you said, it it is, it is risky financially, emotionally. Yeah. Um, with our other jobs, having to put those kind of on the back burner to focus on this. What we did was pretty methodical. We opened in just a specific area of West LA and we didn't charge therapists. We just said, we're going to try this. We have a hypothesis that we have a modern way for clients and therapists to connect. Let's see if it works. And so from May of last year until August, there were so many connections made between clients and therapists. And we were getting calls from other parts of LA as well as Orange County and San Diego. And we said, okay, this hypothesis proved to be true that there is a need and we're going to go for it. And so it was, it was a mix of taking a leap of faith, being a little bit maybe crazy <laughs> in doing so. <laughs> it, it, it definitely still has its challenges and we are looking to grow into other major cities eventually. Right now we are, we are in Los Angeles and Orange County and you know, things are growing, things are moving, but there are some days we look at each other and we're like, what are we doing? Um, but, <laughs> but then we look at the statistics and our analytics and, and we see how many connections we've actually made and, and how much flow of positivity that we've received from both therapists and from, from clients that we, we know it's worth it and we know there's a need and we're just excited to, to continue this and, and help more people in other major cities. In being involved in this whole entrepreneurial process, you bring up the financial stress, the emotional stress that goes into something like this. What do you wish that you would have known at the beginning that you know now that might have made launching something, launching a passion project easier? <sighs> so many things. Um, I, <laughs> Arielle comes with a, more of a business background, so she's she's really great at helping me with that. Um, like I said earlier, as a therapist, I didn't understand the the basics of uh, economics and business, and I had to read a lot of books. And I I always joke with my friends and and family that I kind of I like self taught myself some kind of business degree in a sense, because in order to run a business, you have to really understand those types of things. You never know what you're getting into when you start one of these things. And I, I think I would have liked <laughs> to have taken a few more courses on uh, <laughs> entrepreneurial business and, and startups and that sort of thing. But I really had a lot of mentorship and help along the way to, to learn those skills and kind of learn by doing. So mm-hmm. yeah, and the financial impact, we knew it would be financially, we knew it would be expensive to start this sort of thing, but we didn't realize, I guess, how much really goes into making a startup really successful. And so it's been, it's been interesting, but it's been a really, really fun experience and a really great learning experience for us. You mentioned reading a lot of books. Do you have any favorites, favorite business books? Oh my gosh. 
I don't know that I have a favorite. I know that I spend a lot of time reading articles online about, and, and, and there's so many different theory schools of thought too on, on startups. There are some people who think, you know, just go for it and, and trial by error. There are some people who approach things very methodically. You have to have all these ducks in order before you start. I think I kind of take an integrative approach of, I read a little bit and then I go for it type of thing. But yeah, I, I read a mixture. I also attend all different seminars on entrepreneurs and, and how to really sustain and grow your startups. I've been lucky that in the LA area, there's a lot of those sort of meetups and, and mixers that have uh, been educational as well. Any other advice that you have for people with a vision or people with a passion project of getting their ideas actually executed? Yeah, I think it really, as I mentioned earlier, is about the actual execution. It's about the actual doing it. I, I'm no expert at all. I am an average person who was a therapist who had an idea. And so I think a matter of taking that leap of faith for yourself and for your idea and really just going for it. I definitely did a lot of research. I asked a lot of people. I did a lot of networking. It wasn't just like on a Monday I had an idea and on a Tuesday I launched it. It did take a lot of preparation. If you have an idea and you're passionate, I really believe that there's a way that you can find success in it if you if you go for it. And maybe that's optimistic of me or <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. There's there's a lot of great ideas. I think there's there's not as many doers as there are thinkers. And I, and I think it takes that combination, that that leap, like I said, of I have an idea and I'm passionate. And then often fear is what gets the best of us. Fear of the unknown, fear of the the outcome. But you won't know unless you try. And I know that sounds cliche, but I Ariel and I really had an idea that we thought would be really helpful to a lot of people. And we we went for it and you know, we are still growing. We are still iterating, but we, we had to go for it. We just felt like we had to go for it. And so I would encourage others to, to do the same. What I'm also hearing is that there has been a lot of, and this is typical for all folks. We've talked with a lot of different entrepreneurs in the, the space. And, and there's this piece of needing to have a really strong driving force, a passion, a, a vision that keeps you going because it's hard and it's scary and there's the desire to, to jump in and then step out. And, and there's a lot of different ways that it can become extremely overwhelming. There's the emotional and the financial impacts. There's all that stuff. And so I think that's the other piece that I think is really a key takeaway is that you can have a cool idea, but unless you have the passion and the vision behind it and, and a, a lot of motivation to move it forward, there's a lot of stuff that could potentially derail you because it's hard. It's really, really hard. Yes, absolutely. I think you have to choose something that you're passionate enough about that on those hard days or on those challenging days, it still keeps you going because of your determination to get your product or your idea out there. And so if this was something I was not as passionate about as I actually am, it, it would have crumbled by now. So the fact, like I said, that, that we have made so many positive connections and we have helped people there, there are days that are more challenging than others, but I remember the overall impact and the overall goal. And so that really does keep me going. And I think having the accountability partners and having other people that you team up with and being able to complement your skill sets is such an important part of this too, that as I hang out with pre-licensees, as I teach, as I advocate, that a lot of what I sense is not wanting to be risk takers and not wanting to really leave that bubble of safety, whether it's school, whether it's having a supervisor or a boss that provides 
the safety and the structure of what to do next. And it really is a different skill set than a lot of us learn in school of being able to go out and make something happen and to create something new or to compete against what's kind of just established but isn't necessarily working. And I really love that we were able to connect and to have you on and be able to talk about your process and not just about your product, but just thank you for being so vulnerable about everything that you've been bringing to our audience here. Yeah. And thank you for having me. I, I mean, we could have a whole nother conversation on, on the ways that we could improve graduate school for therapists. <laughs> uh, for sure. I'd, be happy to, I'd be happy to come back and share that. But I, I agree with you. It's different than like an, an MBA program where you're, you're sent off to approach the world and take on any business opportunity that's out there. For us, we're, we're, we're sort of more of a narrow lens of opportunity, which is not the case. That's kind of what's presented to us of the few mm. options that you have as a therapist most of which is private practice. But as we've discussed, there are many different ways you can leverage your your clinical skill set. And I appreciate you guys having me on and letting me share my experience and, and my product. Yeah, for sure. So I know we have LA and Orange County listeners that are thinking, hey, this is something I might want to might try. Where can they find that? Yeah, so they are welcome to check out our website. Advocate has kind of a funky spelling. I'm sure you'll list it somewhere, but it's... Yeah, we'll have it in our show notes. On our website, they can learn about our story, our mission. They can make a profile to be part of our database. And once they do that, we, you know, like I said, do a, a slight background check to make sure they are who they say they are. <laughs> uh, and then we, we go from there and then we start helping drive traffic to their practice. Nice, nice. And I think beforehand we had mentioned that you had mentioned to us that you're putting together potentially a little bit of a special offer or a special thank you to to our listeners. So we'll we'll add that to our show notes as well and make sure that the people can find you because it sounds like the service that you're providing is really important to the, the Los Angeles and Orange County communities. Yes. Thank you very much. So our guest today is Allison Fassell. She is the co-founder of advocate.com and our show notes are available on our website, mtsgpodcast.com. And while you're visiting us, you can click over to our conferences and look around at our Therapy Reimagined conference coming up in October of 2018 here in the Los Angeles area with our platinum sponsor, Simple Practice. And we have two days where we're focusing on building you as the clinician and making you better able to serve your clients. And we'd love to have you join us for that. And until next time, I'm Kurt Withhelm with Katie Vernoy and Allison Fassell. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code modern gets you two free months.